0: We spent several weeks looking at words. We looked at the word temptation. We talked about judgment. We even examined the word greed. Tonight, I'd like us to look at the word purpose. Purpose. Very, very important word. In Romans 11, verse number 28. Now, in this verse, all I really want you to see is just the last sentence. In this this particular verse. Romans 11 verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. Now that last sentence is important called according to his purpose. God does nothing without a purpose. Everything he does. There's some kind of intent aim or motive behind it. But let's have a word of prayer. That was Romans 11 11:28 11, there. What did I say? Eight. I said eight. Oh, I'm sorry. That was Roman. Romans Romans 8:28 is what it was. Okay, yes. Romans 8:28. How is it that you folks don't know your Bible? <laughs> what is going on here? Romans 8:28 again. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. According to his purpose. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that we have this opportunity to look into your word tonight. Speak to all of our hearts. Let us not leave here without knowing that you have always had a purpose for our lives. These things we do pray for in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. The word purpose, we can describe it as something that is set before someone as an object or I should say as a goal to attain. If we make it an adverb, then we talk about something that's done deliberately and with intent. Now, purpose is something we all need to to comprehend. Because a person who has no idea of the purpose of their life, I think, will be like a ship kind of drifting from here to there. And you meet a lot of people like that. They'll tell you, I don't know why I live. What's, what's the purpose of my existence? And when someone is unaware of why they're alive in this particular generation, then it makes it very difficult to focus on a particular thing. Now, God's plan for you is not and never has been just for you to go from the cradle to the grave, just getting up, going to work, coming home, getting up, going to work, coming home, eating and sleeping, getting up, going to work, coming home, and that'd be the end of it. But if you if you realize that as long as there's breath in your body, there's purpose in your being, then that changes the way you approach every day. Now the first thing I want to tell you is that purpose originates in the in the mind of God. Now we can take a verse like Romans eleven verse thirty four and here, here's a beautiful a beautiful question. Romans eleven thirty four. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? So in the mind of God, he 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 has He has the plan for your life. He has the design for your life as well as for mine. That does not mean we understand everything. And God only gives us enough information to cause us to walk by faith. So the scripture says we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Once God answers a prayer for you and you no longer have to believe him for that particular thing, then you're on to something else. But there will never be a time in your Christian life where you are not believing God for something. If you're not believing God for your children's salvation, you may be believing God for him to touch you in your body. You may be believing God for him to save a friend. You may be also believing God to reconcile relationship. You may be praying for your employers, your employees. But there will never be a time in your Christian life where you will not have a prayer need or prayer concern. And so in that regard, we're constantly traveling this road going from faith to faith and from glory to glory, as the scripture says. Now, to give you an example of how God's purpose is being worked out in our lives, even when we don't understand it, take somebody like Joseph. This this young man, when he was 17 years of age, in Genesis 37, he had a dream. He had two dreams, but both of the dreams conveyed this information, that his, his family are going to be submitted to him. And he didn't understand it at the time, because the first dream he had, the sheaves of corn, representing his siblings, were all bowing before him. The next dream, dream he had, the sun and the moon and 11 stars, representing his, his, his family and his parents, they're all submitted to him. And even his dad got mad and said, well, what does that mean? You you think me and your mother are going to be subject to you as well as your your siblings? Well, Joseph didn't understand what it meant. But his brothers were jealous of him because of the love that uh, Jacob showed toward him, and they sold him as a slave into Egypt. So the story is that while he's in Egypt, he's purchased by Potiphar, one of the powerful Egyptians down in that area, And he went to work for that man, and Potiphar had a wife that was scheming to have a relationship with Joseph. It didn't work out. But she lied on Joseph and claimed sexual assault. Joseph goes to jail. While he's in jail, he interprets some dreams. And some people were supposed to remember him when they got out, but they didn't. In the end, because of this skill God had given him with dreams and visions, he ends up becoming the number two person on the throne. Meanwhile, his brothers had lied and told his dad that he had been killed, which was untrue. They said a wild animal killed your son, Joseph. Well, because of the famine and the way Joseph interpreted the dream, they had to go to Egypt to get bread. God had used Joseph to preserve a lot of the food that was necessary of the people coming from the surrounding regions and some of those people were his family members and when they got there they didn't even recognize Joseph because he didn't look like a traditional Hebrew guy anymore. He was dressed like an Egyptian had the Egyptian uh, look I would imagine he was clean shaven or something like that and he certainly spoke the Egyptian language and Joseph saw his brethren and his heart broke because these were the same ones that sold him into slavery. But rather than being bitter he was happy and content with god and in the end you, you will recall when he finally disclosed himself to his brethren he says to them and i i want to i want to read in, in genesis 45 here uh, verse verse number three it says joseph said to his brethren i'm joseph does my father yet live and the brethren couldn't answer him for they were troubled at his presence of course they were but verse four says, and Joseph said, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. Then verse five, don't be grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither for God sent me before you to preserve your life. Now you can take this verse and put it along with Genesis 50, uh, verse number 20. and, And Joseph said to them, then God meant it for good, even though you thought evil against me. So here's how the purpose of God works. His brethren hated him. They were jealous of him. They sold him as a slave with the intent that they would never see him again and that maybe he'd end up dead anyhow. That's how much they, they hated him. But behind their hostility and their anger was the purpose of God interwoven through all of that. Because the Lord used their anger and their hostility to get Joseph into place so that Joseph could preserve their posterity. There would not have been a nation of Israel had not God put had Joseph in place in Egypt as the number two man. So this is why I say we don't always understand the the purpose of God. What God may be doing in your life and in my life, it may put us in different circumstances, and sometimes um, the events that cause our removal from one place to another are not always good. But that doesn't mean God can't do something great out of that, that. That's what I'm getting at. And God's purpose is not something that can be readily understood by anybody. That's why Paul asked the question, who has known the mind of the Lord and who's been his counselor? Nobody. Nobody. So let's look at the larger picture here. From eternity past, God conceived a plan, a redemptive plan. And he, I say he, I'm talking about the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost came up with this idea that they're going to make the heavens and the earth, and they're going to have people on it, and these folks are going to uh, be involved with redemption. Now, from Adam all the way into the end of the age, all of the smaller schemes are attached to one larger purpose, and that larger purpose is redemption. That larger purpose is redemption. So all the covenants that God made in the Bible, starting with the promise he made with Adam, All the way to the promise and covenant he made with Noah, Moses, Samuel, David, and so forth. All of those are just small little attachments to a larger picture. That big picture is the fact that Jesus was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So those other covenants and promises are subordinated to that bigger picture. So what, what is God's main purpose then in creating the earth? It isn't to display the invention of writing. And it's not to show the, the invention of the internet. And and God isn't, the main thing hasn't been about the earth being a place where uh, people could learn how to use electricity or even create fire. These things are just a product of the fact that knowledge increases. But here's what the Bible says in Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19.1 says that. And then Isaiah 6 says the throne is surrounded by creatures that say, holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. So all of the heavens declare the glory of God. The whole earth right now is full of his glory. So our role, our primary role on planet earth is to magnify God and glorify him. That is our primary role. This is the theater of God's glory. And if we understand that, that's the first thing that gives purpose to your life. Because you realize I exist for one thing. To give praise to him and to make his name great in all of the earth. So nobody should have to give you a reason to live now. You have one because of scripture. And as I said before, as long as there's breath in your body, there's purpose in your being. Psalm 150 says, let everything that hath breath do what? Praise the Lord. So there's a second reason for you to live. As long as you're alive and able and capable, you praise the Lord. So we're here to worship God, to magnify him, to make him big. How do we magnify God? You make God big through your words, your worship, your language. You make God big through how you live. All of that is is a part of that. Well, Let's go a little bit deeper into this then. Purpose can be attached to childbirth. Okay? Childbirth. Let's go to Exodus chapter 2. Second book of the Bible. Exodus chapter 2. And you will see that in verse 2 it says, A woman conceived and bore a son and when she saw that he was goodly or beautiful, she hid him three months. That's Exodus 2-2. When she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Now the reason this, this, this instance is important because there, at this time there were a lot of infants dying. And these Egyptian people were going into these homes and they were taking the male children, and they were drowning them in the river because the pharaoh did not want to see the immigrant population get too big, and he certainly didn't want a male immigrant population where everybody could fight. So he said, kill as many as you can. But here was a woman that that refused to do that. I don't want to just say she saw and thought that her baby was special because there aren't too many ladies on planet Earth to give birth. They don't think their kids are special. But obviously, God had something particular that he wanted to do with this kid, and it was connected with the children of Israel crying out to him saying, deliver us from the oppression of the Egyptians. Sometimes other people's prayers can connect with someone else's childbirth. So Moses came into this world and was, and was saved specifically to be a savior and a deliverer for Israel. That's important to know. Let's go to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. Now here we have the story of Samson. Samson was a very strong man. Had a lot of hair. And in Judges 13, beginning with verse number 2, there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. So Judges is going to be your seventh What's it going to be? Your seventh book? That was going to be right after Joshua? Mm -hmm. And so verse 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Now everybody will tell parents, don't do drugs and strong drink now. But God certainly spoke this back then to Samson's mother and then gave further instruction. Verse five, you'll conceive and bear a son, gave the gender. No razor shall come upon his head. The child shall be a Nazarite. Look at all of this future information. A Nazarite unto God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So again, we have a child. No less or no more important than anybody else's baby. But yet there is a very specific purpose that is attached to the birth of this child. And it was communicated to the mother in this case. That, so that means that, that the, the purpose of God as manifested. Sometimes the, the infants are not going to know. Sometimes the parents will know. Now God may reveal it later to people. That since they were a child, I had something special for them to do. And you can reference that with Jeremiah 1 5. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you and sanctified you to be a prophet to the nations. If you come from a Christian background and Christian parentage, then it is Probably, we'll say it is likely that when your mom carried you in the womb, she prayed over you. And when you came into this world, your mom and dad probably prayed some prayers about you. Now, what they said, if they haven't told you, you won't know. But uh, every little prayer, whether it's something as simple as, Lord, please help me to have a healthy baby. Coming all the way down to... Uh, Father, you blessed me with this child, as Hannah prayed, all the days of his life I'll lend him unto you. Parents pray a lot of different kinds of prayers for their kids. And and you need to know that those prayers do not die. Prayers don't die. You, you pray a prayer for a loved one to become a Christian, as long as that heart is beating in that body, then, and you're believing, then God's big enough to answer a prayer. See, that that's what faith is all about. Faith doesn't look at a, a bad situation and say, okay, this is too bad for me to continue believing. Faith looks at a bad situation, sees through the bad situation, and sees the solution. And the solution is to put the bad situation in reverse. That's what faith does. And if, if we, we see this clearly then God's intentions can be concealed or revealed at birth. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1 in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 1. Now I want you to see how God's purpose for a child can be concealed. Then a person learns of it after they become a Christian. Galatians chapter 1, look at verse 15 and 16 but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood now the preceding verses tell us how religious Paul was as a Pharisee but you can see from verse 15 now that he's become a Christian and he's looking back over his life he can see that it was God that brought him forth out of mama's womb because he had one intention and that was to cause him to be a preacher to manifest the Lord Jesus Christ. This purpose was not revealed to Paul until Paul became a Christian. And there's some things we won't figure out until we get into the kingdom of God. As long as we're outside the kingdom of God and we're in darkness, we're blind to God's purpose for our life. We're blind to what God wants to do for us, but once we get into the kingdom of God, then all of a sudden we can begin to see. We can see ourselves working in the kingdom of God, driving people, taking them to church. We can see ourselves feeding the hungry. You can see somebody transformed in their life to where they become an usher, standing in the door of the church, welcoming people. You can see yourself singing gospel songs, preaching gospel songs, repairing people's homes. Sometimes for pay, sometimes for free. Your eyes are open now. The purpose becomes clear because salvation brings us into contact with God. And the Holy Ghost begins to reveal to us the greater things of the kingdom of God. And as that happens, there's like an explosion that takes place inside of us. And it's like, wow, you mean to tell me I've been living all this time and didn't know this? Right. Yeah, That, that, that happens. That happens a lot. So that's not unique to any of us in here right now. Well, let's let's look at something else then. Go to Luke chapter 2, verse 34. This is Simeon. Simeon. Then I'll just read some of these here after a little while. But Luke chapter 2, notice verse 34. This is the birth of Jesus. These folks are in the temple. In verse 34, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Mary knew Jesus was special because the Spirit of God came upon her, and that's how she conceived this baby. And she knew he was special because Gabriel came. And she knew he was special because the angel of the Lord came to Joseph in dreams. So there have been a lot of circumstances coming about to let her know this child is special. But now somebody just right out of the blue, out of the city, comes into the temple and begins to bless them and says, this child is going to be unique. So again, the purpose of God is being manifested, only this time through somebody outside the family. And God is able to do that. God is able to reveal what someone will become or what someone will do. And fortunately, we we have a a beautiful instance of a man that truly had a relationship with God, and he's talking to Mary about that. It's possible that some people will try to fulfill the intentions of their parents rather than those of God, you know. You've met a lot of people or heard of a lot of people who never wanted to go into business, never wanted to be a doctor, never wanted to be a lawyer, but became a doctor or a lawyer because everybody expected them to be that or a politician. So you you find somebody say, I I never wanted to be a lawyer. Get into an argument with their parents and mad and upset after they've been doing it for 20 years. I I wanted to be an artist. I always wanted to be a chef. That kind of a thing. So so there are people who will try to move over into uh, uh, another purpose that isn't specifically for them. And may actually be successful at it. But know deep down in their heart, that's not what they're supposed to be doing. Because they're never content, never happy with that, and that kind of frustration, eventually, it's gonna boil over, and it's gonna come out. It's like a pot that's on, that's on fire, and pretty soon it's gonna seethe, and then the pot, at the top, is just gonna start bouncing a little bit, and, and everything's gonna start running over on the side, because when you know deep down in your heart, you're supposed to be doing one thing, but you're doing five other things, you're not happy. You're not happy. And the purpose of God is the one thing that can provide you fulfillment. Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he won't depart from that. Now, implied in that verse is the idea that the parents ought to know what direction the child ought to go. Not what the child ought to be, but what direction the child ought to go. Now, if 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 the Lord says that, train them up in the way they should go, that's what he was doing with Samson. He said to the parents, uh, don't let this child have liquor. And don't cut the child's hair. They didn't know what Samson was going to become, but God did. God knew Samson was going to become a savior, so he gave them the information to let them know that. And once they found out what God was saying, they received it, they believed it, and then they applied it. And when you realize what it is that God has planned for your life as far as purpose, then you stay right with what God wants you to do and don't deviate from that. Because when you deviate, you start running into other problems. I've always enjoyed hearing older ministers give testimonies and stories about how when they were maybe in their middle age, they, the Lord was blessing them, there was increase coming into the ministry, and they had an opportunity to go this direction, and they had a lot of voices saying to them, go this direction, but they knew in their heart they needed to stay the course. So somebody who, who never was on television or radio, but had money to be on television or radio, I heard him one time say, God never told me to get involved with television or radio. But there are a whole lot of other people that have done it and gotten into a whole lot of trouble with that. that, that that's a very, very expensive venue to get involved with. The same thing with uh, missions. I, I've seen some pastors, they're very supportive of missions and give thousands of millions of dollars every year to make sure that missions are supported all around the world. But they themselves personally have no desire to go to a foreign country. Now, they'll do evangelism all around America and go hold meetings, and, and that's their sort of mission. But some of them have no eye, no desire to go set their feet on African soil or to go to Indonesia or to go down to Brazil. I don't fight with them over stuff like that, because I, I believe once you have some idea of what it is that, that God wants you to do, then you don't change, and, and you stay with that. Now, time. I was 13. All I ever wanted to do was be a preacher, be a Marine, and travel and preach. And of course, the, the only way that could come to pass, I had to do the military stuff because I had to have a way to get around the world and have money. As a little kid, didn't know anything about how to, how, how to do this and, and, uh, that, that kind of a thing. So when, when, when I was in Turkey one time, I had a, beautiful house overlooking the bosphorus sea and one evening i was reading the story of abraham genesis chapter 12 just reading through that and i was reading that and i was saying to myself in my early 20s i said god i mean that, that just has to be remarkable just to live trust in you you know live by faith and and all that kind of a thing. I I just totally missed the whole part where Abraham was rich in silver and gold and cattle. I missed all of that. I said, Lord, this has just got to be great living in a tent, going from one place to another with your family. I said, Lord, I want faith. I want to have faith and trust you like Abraham has faith and he trusted you. And, and I know in my heart the king said, you're never going to have faith like Abraham has, as long as you're leaning on Uncle Sam. See, I know what that meant for me. I don't know how God would have said that to you. To me... He was saying, "You've got direct deposit in that checking account every two weeks. You don't have a care in the world," See? and that's exactly how it was. And, and when I announced my intention of getting out of the military just to do, do the uh, just just to do ministry, I never forget my master sergeant pulling me in that office. He said, "Now look, you've been in seven years. Nobody goes, nobody, nobody does seven years." And then gets out. I mean, you're you just you know, you, you're a quarter of the way there. Just two more enlistments, you'll be you'll be done with this thing. I said, no. I said, I, I, I've got to get out. I think this is what the King is telling me. And then I, I called home and I told my dad the same thing. And I said, well, I said, Dad, I, I I feel like I need to get out. Now I had a great job I'm living in the Middle East, and man, everything was. Paid for, we had wonderful homes and all of that kind of a thing. And and my dad said, you want to get out of the military? Now, my dad's dad was a preacher, okay? A poor Baptist preacher, preached over 80 years, poor Baptist preacher. And I put the emphasis on poor. Poor people called him poor. That's how poor he was. And so when I said that to my dad, my dad just, he just kind of laughed. He said, have you lost your mind? You just you just want to preach the gospel. I said, that's 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 what I'm gonna do. And so he tried to talk me out of it. And when I when I never forget, when I got out of the military that first year. That first year, I didn't have to file taxes because I don't I don't think I made six thousand dollars that first 12 months. I was out of uh, rank or however, I went to 10 different countries and I was just all over the world doing doing the ministry. And, and what that taught me was that if if you follow God and you have a sense of calling, a sense of purpose, then, then God can bring it from his hand to your mouth. If you just trust, if you just believe, no matter how difficult it is, he, he he can do it. He can do it for you. The children of Israel learned that as long as they followed the cloud, the manna was there in the morning. not that's always been a lot. But it was always what they needed for that that day. And God has always shown himself faithful let me give you something else from acts chapter 7 verse 23 this man moses he becomes 40 years of age and in verse 23 acts chapter 7 when he was a fool 40 years old it came into his heart to visit his brethren the children of israel i want you to think about this 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 occurred when he was 40 When he was born, we know it was supernatural. He was delivered. But because he he murdered a man, trying to save a man, he ended up living in the wilderness and ended up becoming a shepherd for a number of years. But here it says when he was 40, it came into his heart. What I want to emphasize with the purpose of God is, the purpose of God sometimes, it operates on the basis of seasons in your life. There are things you'll desire to do at a certain age that you won't desire to do at another age. How can we say it? If people like to invest money, people like to be very aggressive when they're younger with their money. They don't like to be so aggressive when they're getting close to retirement. They don't want to lose it all. People who are younger, they're ready to take on big tasks. I mean, you find some like in their 20s, 30s, sometimes in their 40s. I mean, you talk about going out building a house. They say, come on, let's get it done. We can put this all together and work it out. But they're usually not thinking about that when they're 85. It's not appealing to them. So God's purpose, even though he has a purpose for all of our lives, the, these purposes pass through different seasons, and sometimes the purposes change. What God wants you to do at 60 may be different than what God wanted you to do at 25. And what God wants you to do at 85 may be significantly different than what he wanted you to do at 55. And when this man turned 40, he was ready to go and see his brethren and deliver Israel. So this this leads to another very important thing, and that is purpose will compel you to do things because it's like a stimulant. In the same way, people will take... Um, they drink these protein shakes and eat protein bars, and sometimes they'll drink these different kinds of juices that give them a little power or something like that. When you when you find and discover and understand that for this season of my life, this is God's purpose for me, that alone is a stimulant that gets you out of bed in the morning. That encourages you. When everybody else is discouraged and they're trying to tell you to stop, you're pushing forward because you realize this is what I must do. I live this. I breathe this. There's nothing else that matters. And that's why Jesus said if anybody takes up the, puts their hands to the gospel plow and then look back, they're not fit for the kingdom. Because when you grab hold to your purpose, what God wants you to do, it's hard to let it go. It's hard to let it go. People take this. They'll say, let it go, even if it looks like it's not making money. But because inside of you, it's strong. You can't let it go. People say, let it go, even if it looks like it's causing damage to your body physically. It's hard to let it go because you, 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 you eat it, you drink it, you dream it. I mean everybody you talk to, this is what this is what's on your heart. You just breathe it all the time, so it's it's hard to get away from that. That's why I said it's it's like a, a stimulant. Some people, they take drugs because they need a high. But somebody who really discovers the purpose of God for their life don't need anything to stay up because they know it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And it, it changes it changes lives. So it consumes you to the point. That you can't understand why other people haven't caught up to you or caught on to your life life pursuits. How come everybody doesn't understand this? Remember when Jesus was with his parents in Jerusalem and and then they took off and and accidentally left him? And when they found him, I love the statement that he made. He, He asked them a question. How is it that you sought me? Then he asked another question. Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? How is it that you don't get this? See, that's what I'm saying. How is it that you can't, you can't understand this? There was something inside of him that was propelling him to stay, even as a kid. Well, let's go to John 4 now. John 4. We'll look at something else. Purpose is not restricted to a particular geography. In John 4, Jesus is talking with a woman at Samaria. His disciples go away to buy some food. He leads the woman to Christ. Verse 29, she runs throughout the city telling everybody to come see a man that told me everything I have done. Isn't this Christ? So they went out of the city to see him. Well, when the disciples came back, they saw the crowd around Jesus and they said, look, you're tired. You're hungry. You need to eat. Listen to what he said. I have meat to eat that you don't know of. See, this thing consumes you to the point where you you lose your appetite sometimes. The only thing that matters at that moment is doing the will of God. You get in the middle of evangelism and witnessing to somebody, you forget all about being hungry. All you want to do is just talk to that particular person about God. It's like when two people fall in love. Who's thinking about food? The only thing that matters is being around you, girl. Why do I need food? I have you. And so Jesus is showing us that purpose will sustain you in in different circumstances and sometimes even in difficult circumstances Now i have another scripture i want you to see in second corinthians 11 and paul is kind of giving his resume of all the things he has done and in second corinthians 11 let's let's pay attention to what he's saying in In verse 7, have I committed an offense by abasing or humbling myself that you might be exalted? Because I have freely preached to you the gospel of God. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted or lacked. I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me. The brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. He said, look, even when I was impoverished and I was lacking financial help or other physical blessings. I didn't say anything to you about it. But the other people came and they supplied what I was missing. He said, in all these things, I've kept myself from being burdensome unto you. And so I will keep myself. That is the role of of a good minister, to not be burdensome to the people, not be such a problem that all they can do is complain, she wants more, he wants more, she wants more, he wants more. I have seen, I know this from some of my own friends who are pastors, every year when they have their pastor's anniversary, the church raises a big sum of money for the preacher and gives it to him for a pastor's anniversary. So the, for the pastor's anniversary, let's say, let's say that fifth anniversary, they give him $10,000. So then for the rest of the year, then the, the, the church committees, the choir The ushers, because the ushers have a church anniversary, usher anniversary, then the choir anniversary. And all of them have these big meetings where everybody gets together and they use the offerings to set the monies aside so that they can use it to buy stuff. And then also to give a bigger offering for the for the for the pastor for the his anniversary. And so, of course, you start doing the math. If every year your goal is to give more than what you gave last year then surely you got to know by the time you get to 15 and 20 years and 25 years and 30 years, you, you, you're selling M&Ms on the corner, and you're probably selling your car and everything else because you have to beat the number you had last time. And I know of a bishop back in Cleveland that went to high school with my mother. His pastor's anniversary every year was $50,000. That's on top of his salary. Think about that. Paul said, I've kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so I will keep myself. Now, let's not misunderstand me. The way they raised that, I thought was a burden. If a church want to bless a preacher, that's their business, what they pay him for the salary. If they want to bless him and, and, and do it in a wonderful way, I have no problems at all about how they do that. I just... Think we don't want to ever be a burden. That's the key. So verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I, I love you not. God knows. But what I do that I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion. See, occasion to complain. That wherein they glory, they may be found even As we. So the apostle Paul, if you come down to verse 24, notice what he's saying here. I was five times beaten. See, five times stoned, I should say, received 40 stripes. Uh, Verse 25, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep. He's talking about in the water, floating in the water. Verse 26, in journeys often, in peril, Perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen. Verse 27, weariness, painfulness, watchings, often in hunger, thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness. In verse 30, if I must need glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. And then he finally gives an example in verse 32 of how to, to save his life. He had to be placed in a basket and let down the side of a wall in order to have his life spared. Think about that. So here's a man that's telling, telling us that he wants to boast, and he can boast in God so long as he makes sure that God lives big in him. What was it compelling him to do all of this? The truth of Christ that was in him in verse 10. The fact that he felt he was a debtor to Christ. Christ had redeemed him and saved him. That's why he went through all of that. Now some people will say, there's no way on this earth I would ever go through everything that he went through of course not because the truth is not in you compelling you to do it like it was compelling him to do it that's not to say you're not christian that's not to say you're not saved or i'm not saved. that's to say there's something inside of paul that lets paul know i can't stop even though the devil's trying to kill me everywhere i go i can't i just can't stop and when People come up to you and they say things to you after you have come through a difficult time and they say something like, well, how can you be a Christian? Why don't you just give up on God? Like Job's wife said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? Job couldn't because there was something inside of him that made him love God even more. And when I meet people to say to me, I, I just don't understand why you need to go and preach overseas or why you need to go in these small towns in Nebraska and hold these meetings. Why can't you just preach in the church and be happy and go to the nursing homes and, and that be the end of everything? Because that's not what constrains me. There's something in me that's bigger, that's churning and churning, and I can always see more that can be done, see more that can be done. And, and that's what. That's what purpose will do, and so uh, Paul gives us this in Second Corinthians eleven. Now we'll stop at at Ephesians. Come over here to Ephesians three, and and I'll say a couple of more things. The other verses I may not have to go to. I may be able to quote them to you, but Ephesians three. Ephesians three, verse number. Verse number eight. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Here's why. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent That now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Here's our verse, number 11. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's only in Christ that we discover our purpose. And when the Bible says our life is hid in Christ, he's talking about your new life. It's hidden. It's concealed to that natural eye but now that you're in the kingdom of god god can show you different things i've told many retirees your final days can be a whole lot better than all your former days if you learned that you can now take that time and pray just just create a list create a list of people that you can pray for sometimes you'll see that list get bigger and bigger I used to have a friend of mine who lived in Red Cloud. He was in his 80s. I'd go to his house at 5 o'clock in the morning. We'd have prayer. And he'd pull that list out. I'd be on the floor just over here crying out to God and praying about this. And he'd be over here reading off all of these names, asking God to do this and do that. He knew every to have everybody on the list. And he knew, you know, three-quarters of the people in the community. So he's just praying for specific needs. Here's somebody that found out that even though he was aged and his body was much more feeble, he still had a sharp mind and he could still be useful to God. There's always something, something that that you can do. I I knew another lady before she passed away. Even when she was 92, she still went, went to the nursing home just to deliver everybody's mail, to go room to room and just to tell everybody God loves them. And then witness to people, I mean, some of these, you know, some people get old and as they get old, they get mean and crotchety. This lady, she come into that room with a big smile and and, uh, those people would just melt when she came in. But she felt like that, that was her, that was her ministry. God's purpose lives on generationally through Christians. So a Christian is able to see the end of their purpose. At time, they can see where they're coming to an end, but their purpose still lives on through somebody else because that purpose is eternal. It's The purpose of Christ that, as the scripture says here, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus. So since we're in Christ, we know we're part of something that will live forever and ever and ever. Yeah. You say, how can someone see the conclusion of their season or when their purpose is coming to an end. Paul said in Second Timothy chapter four, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He knew he was coming to the end. It wasn't going to stop the church. There wasn't a conclusion to the church, but he knew that the purpose in his life was coming to a close. Peter said the same thing, Second Peter chapter one. He says, The time that I must put off this tabernacle has shortly has come has come so he could look at his life and realize okay there's coming a point in time where i'm going to be laying down to go to sleep but even though paul died and peter died the eternal purpose yet lives in you and in me this will never end folks it doesn't matter if we're if we're in here with a handful of people or we're somewhere in a mega church with 50,000 people. I'm telling you, there's always going to be somebody preaching Jesus Christ. There's going to be somebody believing. Somebody's going to be repenting of their sins. A church is going to be born every day somewhere on this planet, just like two or three may be closed. But this thing will never end because there are too many people that realize once they become a Christian, God has purpose attached to my life. So that's the key. And. As long as you are living, <clears throat> live for that purpose. if you 're not clear on what it is, pray and ask God to give you clarity. He can show you, He can talk to you, but let all your days be good days. yeah, don't be lost. you know just God help me to know where I 'm going. Give me an internal compass to know what I should be doing. Should not be doing. Show me where to pull back. Show me where to advance. Because many of the things that God wants you to do. And me to do. It's not always about money folks. God can do a whole lot with you. It doesn't cost you a dime. Sometimes just a phone call. Sometimes it's just visiting with someone. Sometimes just spending a little time with someone. God can do it. Let's pray. So Father we're thankful that we have this opportunity. To look into your word. We know You understood the moment each of us in here would be born. God, I know you had, you had an intention behind all of our conception in this generation. Or we weren't born a thousand years ago. We didn't come along a thousand years from now. We're here today, Lord. God, we want to be useful and profitable in the days ahead. Help each one of us, Lord, to grow our minds according to the tasks that you have set for us, reveal our purpose with such clarity that, Father, we will live this thing and breathe this thing every day. Let a passion develop inside of us, but nothing else matters other than your Son. These things we pray for in Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen.